Good to have you back here on a Monday edition of the program. The next time we talk to you will be uh, Radio Row at Super Bowl 57. Our broadcast sponsor, Rise Federal Credit Union. And, man, we've got a ton of supporting sponsors jumping on board for this. So many to mention. Technomark El Paso, Synergy Temperature Control, Expert HVAC and Refrigeration, Oscar Adietta Agency, Burger Bros, Border Pallets, Chick-fil-A Airway and Cielo Vista Mall, El Pedo Grande Tequila, New Start Homes, Moda Mia, Barrio Kitchen and Drinks, and now, just on board today, Pelican Steak and Seafood. My goodness gracious. It's a super show, super sponsor, super everything as we get ready for uh, what's going to be a lot of fun this week. Steve, I can't wait. We're kicking off Super Bowl week right. Uh, Radio Row Wednesday. Tomorrow, Lane Frank, UTEP Zay. A uh, mm. huge week of sports, not to mention UTEP men's basketball and women's basketball in action this week as well. Uh, the month of February is heating up, and we're ready to go. Sports Talk Live from Phoenix coming up later this week. They're already there. They, they landed already. In fact... We need to check in with the Foss and Chris and nice. see if they were if they had any issues getting their credentials because they yeah, are they are it. in they are in Phoenix, so yeah, excited, happy to be ready to do this. We're we're looking forward to it. In fact, um, we've got a six hour drive tomorrow. And let me tell you something: we're going to be working the entire way up. I guarantee you. I feel like there's so much unfinished business on just trying to get all the uh, all, you know, everything finished up here, Adrian. That. Uh, it's going to be a work trip going up to Phoenix. Even be, yeah. for, forget the broadcasts. We're going to be working on the six-hour drive going up there. No, you're exactly right, Steve. There's just a lot to get done in you know between now and the rest of this week, and that's uh, that's what this week is about. Work week, exciting work week as well. Uh, first time being out there for us here for Caro D and 600 ESPN El Paso, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about all of it. I'm ready uh, to go. I think that uh, you know we, that makes two of us. I'm, I'm excited about that as well, and. Excited about the week in sports, just knowing who's already up there and uh, who we'll be able to run into and see while we're there and just ha- having a having a, a nice time in the uh, process of doing all this. Uh, UTEP basketball with Kevin Baker and Joe Golding will be coming up at 6 o'clock tonight with John Teicher, voice of the minors. They both played on Saturday and unfortunately didn't go uh, like uh, either team planned. The women blew a 19-point lead and lost to Western Kentucky while the men... Played a really good first half, and then the first four or five minutes of the second half doomed them, and they could never climb back into it after that. It was surprising because given the effort of the first 20 minutes, it's a shame that when you come out flat to start uh, a half of basketball – um, you're having to spend the next uh, 15, 16 minutes trying to make up for that. Yeah, it was really the tale of two halves, and uh, this road swing proved to be detrimental for the Miners men's basketball team. They lose three in a row on the road. They've lost four in a row overall. Uh, four losses in a row is the most for head coach Joe Golding in Conference USA. Wow. Uh, the month of February is an absolute grind, Steve. We get that. We understand that this is, you know, that Thursday, Saturday format, and everybody's tired right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same point, when it, you look at a game like Saturday, it was really a tale of two halves. First half, they're shooting lights out. They're hitting uh, six three-pointers, which is uncharacteristic for this group. Uh, and the second half, they just were not able to match that same intensity. They fell flat sometimes defensively, I thought, in spurts. And, yeah, you give them credit for coming back late in the game but they're they're still not able to pull these games off uh when it comes to the the final minutes of these no you're right uh, and that's what's so frustrating is uh you know seeing the uh the end result which is a uh you know another loss 
And uh, now they're under 500. They're under 500 in Conference USA. They're under 500 overall. It's it's weird, and we don't know how many games this team's going to finish uh, winning, and we also have no idea if they're even going to get into the tournament. You hope they will, but you don't know that for sure right now. Yeah, I would also say that uh, for this men's basketball team, uh, when it comes to this season, I, you don't want it to slip away from you. That's that's first and foremost. But at the same point with this group, I didn't like the technical fouls that were called on mm-hmm. Saturday. That was Those were the parts that were uncharacteristic for me because we know that UTEP is going to defend all their opponents at a high level, but we we don't uh, we don't foresee those mistakes like those technical fouls and when they're not having the turnovers like they normally do any any of those moments right there really hurt your team down the line. That's true. They had three of them, right? They had okay. Was so it two or was it three? So on the stats uh, on the stats list, they only listed two. They took off one from Mario McKinney uh, and they turned that into a personal <laughs> foul. So uh, I don't know. The broadcast may have initially said technical foul, but in you know, in the end, it was a personal foul on McKinney. Did McKinney ever come back after that? No, he never came back after that. That was like five minutes and uh, never came back off the bench. That was weird. Coach's decision. Yep. Joe Golding talked about it with voice of the minor John Teicher after the game and commented that it was just a coach's decision right there. So the coach's decision was to make sure that he didn't come back after that. Yeah, it's correct. Uh, very weird, right? I mean, that's not things that we've seen all year long with Barrio McKinney Jr. Although I've I've said this, you know, I said this last Thursday after that loss uh, that they had to Middle Tennessee. His production has really just dipped in Conference USA, and I think uh, this team thought they were going to get a lot more out of Mario McKinney Jr. And unfortunately, during the stretch, they just haven't. It's just been a weird season for a lot of guys, hasn't it? That's the best way to put it. Certain players just, you know, the expectations were higher and. Just hasn't been the case. I listened to Minor talk also after the uh, game. I heard, I heard, you know, Ronnie's call and and heard a few people calling in after the after the uh, thing was over. And it's just the hardest part is, and we've talked about this before. I, I, it's not like I feel like they're not getting the most out of the guys they have. It's just not enough to win games. Right. Yeah, exactly. And people questioning, well, has Joe Golding lost the team? No, I don't think that he's lost the team because they're still fighting in the late game Mm -hmm. situations. That tells me that they want to win these games. There's nobody, uh, you know, for UTEP men's basketball on that roster who wants to lose these games or who's content with where they're at right now. They want to turn this season around, even, you know, that we're we're talking about this almost mid-February at this point. They want to turn this season around and have momentum going into the Conference USA tournament. I think that's the key. I do. Uh, The momentum and uh, getting it back salvaging the season is the best way to put it um you know because it's it's so tough when you watch a game and and realize that you know you see the hustle you see what they can try to bring you but it's just just not enough and i'm trying to remember um because i'm already forgetting uh this whole season has been a blur to me um saturday night or saturday afternoon was that the game in which they cut it to two, and then all of a sudden the lead was extended back to ten instantly, or was that Thursday? <laughs> that was Thursday. That's the Middle Tennessee. It was 74-72, okay. and then uh, Middle Tennessee goes on a run to close out the game. Miners go the last 3-36 without scoring. This was just a game they were never able to get back into it in the second half, beyond like six or seven points, and then they just kept going from there. That's correct. Okay. I, I, and you can give credit to them for coming back in the late game, but no, I, you know, when you looked at it uh, and how they fared late in that game, uh, Western Kentucky really distanced themselves.
themselves in that game. I mean, it's just been a disappointing season. You hope they can salvage it, but I don't know. I, I, I really can't answer that question. If you had asked me right now, the Myers are going to salvage the season, I would say no, because they haven't shown enough to do it at this point in time. I mean, you hope they do, but I mean... You almost feel like this year is 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 a wash already, and you got to look forward to next year. Yeah, I would also look at their schedule before even you know making that assessment. And I, I would say this week uh, the schedule softens up just a little bit compared to the weeks past. I mean, Charlotte, UTSA this week, uh, home and away game. But then you look at UAB, North Texas, Florida International, and Florida Atlantic uh, in, in to close out the month of February. That's a really tough stretch right there for the Miners, who uh, just need to be playing their best basketball here to close out the season not the other way around say they beat charlotte um again it's a road game so i don't know about utsa that's a that's a coin toss if you ask me let's just say they lose to utsa beat charlotte that's one and one uab is probably gonna be a loss right i would say so yes that's one and two north texas at home i would probably also say loss but maybe we'll say we'll they'll split that series just for argument's sake two and two I don't see them winning in Florida, do you? No, I don't. Maybe against Florida International, just again for argument's sake, just a best case scenario in that case, split the series. I mean, what's the best case scenario of the last eight games? Five and three? Yeah, I would say five and three or four and four. Probably mm-hmm. four and four is more realistic when you look at their opponents because Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee to close out the year, even though those two teams are at home, uh, that's a tough two-game stretch right there. Does everybody qualify for the tournament this year? I, I Again, I don't know because of the new Conference USA format. I would expect with just 11 teams, they probably put everybody in the tournament. So. I don't know. I mean, they give one team a bye and then the others play on. I, that I that could be it. Do. They could knock off the last two teams. They could lock, knock off the last uh, the last place team overall and uh, maybe that's how they decide to do it they haven't released the format uh, from what I've seen but maybe they've released it in the past couple weeks and I just missed it I don't know if they have or not I'm, I mean I'm just looking at the it just says buy tickets I, I don't really know what they're doing and how this thing is going to work I don't think they know yet nothing is even they, they, their website's blank not surprised right there. I would just say that uh, I think we'd, we'd have more luck finding it on some place like Twitter or Bracket like that versus what we could find on their website. Paul Marmaleo tweets, hashtag Miners Mediocre. And you know what? He's right. That's what they are this year. They're mediocre. That's a, uh, that's a pretty accurate description at this point. You can't really sugarcoat it. I mean, you know, I wish they were better, but they're not. It's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, and if you're a UTEP fan right now, I think uh, it's easy to get down on this team. It's easy to feel low. I would just say I'm curious to see what this team will look like once they apply that NIL collective, once they have more resources to dip into uh, when it comes to the transfer portal. I think the philosophy around building this team was very defensive-oriented, and if they Agreed. switch the mentality to trying to get more shooters, they'll fare off a lot better, in my opinion. No, you're right. And, and Givens and Hardy were really the only two guys that, that- – arrived with scoring pedigrees in their background. Solomon was like 10 a game. Um, I don't even know what um, Frazier was. He was just buried with George Mason, hardly yeah. played. Right. And the same thing with um, the kid from Buffalo. That's right, Malik Zachary. Right. So, And then they got some Juco kids in the process. I mean, but the only two guys that had any kind of really proven scoring track record was Givens and, and Hardy. 
Right. Yeah, and I, I would say that what you could be optimistic about for the future is that you have somebody like Otis Frazier, who in his first year of playing Division One basketball, he's emerging. He's a he's a pretty nice player, and if you're able to keep him, even if he's a rotational piece next year, I think that means uh, pretty good things for your team. I, I also uh, would feel the same way for somebody like Calvin Solomon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I'm creating an early wish list as to players who uh, would be realistic to, to retain next year, I think I'd start with those two players, Otis Frazier and uh, Calvin Solomon. What was tougher to watch over the weekend the UTEP game or the flag football Pro Bowl UTEP game yes I'm going with the UTEP game because at least the Pro Bowl was uh yeah there was gimmicky there was different gimmicky. yes there was uh UTEP men's basketball was gimmicky for the wrong reasons well yeah exactly I'll say this the first half of the UTEP game was fun I enjoyed that that's right making threes for the first time six of ten I thought that was one of the best halves of basketball I've seen from them it was a shame they had all those technicals to uh, offset some of that they should have been up by 10 at halftime They really should have. I I felt like the technical fouls gave Western Kentucky the momentum to come back in. And, hey, give a lot of credit to that Jamarian Sharp down low. I mean, he's blocking five shots in that game, had a monster performance defensively, and, uh, you know, playbook's out on UTEP. We know this. We've talked about this week in and week out. You just clog the paint, you put up a 2-3 zone, and it's hard for UTEP to score, and that's what you saw in the second half. Yeah, you're right. It's just – it's been – been difficult. That's the best way to put it. And I don't see any. Um, I don't see any end in sight. Like I don't. I don't suddenly think there's going to be a you know a, a light at the end of the tunnel or anything like that. I think that they're just going to have to you know limp their way through and 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 hope they can uh, you know catch a break or two uh, in a neutral site tournament game. That's about as good as it gets. Yes, because even if you were to knock off teams like North Texas, UAB, uh, Florida Atlantic, right now you're just playing spoiler at this point. I mean, you're not necessarily you, you need to string along more wins to for for those mean, wins to actually mean something uh, when you're talking about things like seeding, when you're talking about things like momentum going into the conference tournament. And right now the Miners don't have that, and they they have to try to turn the corner and get that to close out this month of February. I mean, they're tied for next to last in the league with Charlotte. And they're, you know, the only team worse is UTSA. They're 1-13. Oh, that's right. Uh, Florida International is not much better, although they're no. winning games. They're, they're actually winning some of these closer games, and they're knocking off opponents in Conference USA at 6-7 six and seven overall. Yeah, Western Kentucky's 5-8. and eight. Louisiana Tech is 6-6. Six and six. Rice is 6-6. Six and six. Then your top four, Middle Tennessee 8-5, UAB 8-5, North Texas 10-3, Florida Atlantic 12-1. There's your, uh, you know, there's your top. We all know that UTEP could hang with the top parts of this conference, but you are who you are with your record. That sounds very cliche. I've heard it from Joe Golding himself, but it really it rings true with this men's basketball team. They are an 8-12 and team um, that, that might finish out in Conference USA the way it's looking if we thought 4-4 four and four could be the realistic projection to close out the year. And if that's the case, you know, they, they'd finish out the season somewhere around 14-15 wins. Yep. Um, you know, for a team like Joe Golding, who lost uh, 10 guys to the transfer portal had to bring in 10 new guys and only had three guys returning maybe that's what we should have expected before the season started I don't know I mean that's that's the that's the million dollar question is it good enough and and not this year for fans not not hardly not when you're getting 3,000 a game at the Haskins Center I don't think it's good enough I think it was maybe to be expected but at the same time I think fans hope that uh, Joe Golding and this team would overachieve and just hasn't happened this year I got news for you you might lose these kind of guys every year now this could be the new norm in college basketball the idea of keeping teams is probably going to be a thing of the past so you're gonna it's all gonna be the John Calipari method you 
got to rebuild and reload every year and try to figure it out. And that's all the what would you have to do in that case? You have to lean on your staff. And we were talking about this on Minor Talk. You have to value your assistant coach, somebody who does your X's and O's as much as you value your lead recruiter uh, in the process. And that's something that this uh, staff will need to understand here moving forward with this group. So we've got a lot to, to talk about today. Kyrie Irving is now a Dallas Maverick. By the way, uh, did you see anything trend more in basketball and sports this weekend than how now that Kyrie's in Dallas, he can explore the real JFK investigation and oh, what really no. went what really went down in 1963? Okay, all the conspiracy stuff I'm not about with uh, Kyrie Irving whatsoever, but I would not be surprised if he started initiating some of that stuff, knowing mm-hmm. what what kind of things he's into. Uh, not a fan of Kyrie Irving, and I think it was so weird, Steve. Laker fans wanted Kyrie Irving, and everybody who hates the Lakers wanted the Lakers to get Kyrie Irving. Isn't that a weird situation to be in? Extremely weird. Extremely weird. So, all right. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about over the show today. We got a lot to get to. 505-6009. Two hours with you today. Tomorrow, it's going to be Lane Frank and UTEP Zay taking over the airwaves for the three-hour show. Looking forward to that as well. Let's go to Charlie One and get our first traffic update of the afternoon. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Uh, we saw the brackets, by the way, and they are just as, as interesting as you would expect. From what I understand, the bottom six teams would all play in the first round. One, two, and three would get buys along with four and five. And the way I read this would be, and again, I might be wrong because I really don't know. But I think one, two, and three would then play the winners of the bottom games, and then maybe four and five plays each other in that second round. I think that's how it would probably work. And then the winner of four and five would play the top bracket, which is the one bracket, and then the bottoms would go. So I think that's probably how it will end up being when it's all said and done. Um, what I'm assuming is you probably would have 11 play 10, 9 play 8, 7 play 6. And then that's at least what I think. Because then the winner of the 11-10 game would play the one seed in the second round. Yeah, that, at, that least, at least right. that's how I think that's how it would work. You know what? You're making way more sense than I could have ever made sense on this one. I have zero clue how to how to read this right there. And when you well, walked me through it, and kind of looking at it right there, I understand that because you give the top three seeds a bye in that case and you'd pin the, the worst teams against each other to advance in the, in the tournament. It reminds me of my son's fifth grade math homework that when I take it out, I have to look at it for a while. But because it, it, it needs a little time to sometimes decipher before you really figure everything out and get it, get it good. Now, math was my specialty growing up. I loved math. I swear to God, sometimes I look at these things and I'm wondering, what are they teaching the kids now? Because it's not like it was when I was there. So it, it's sitting with this bracket. Some weird-looking bracket. It's all blank. There's no seating. There's no nothing. There's no numbers. It's like you've got to here's – the, here's the bracket. You go figure it out. If uh, if that's the case, Steve, with uh, what you reeled off, we're talking about UTEP possibly playing a team like Florida International, Western Kentucky, Charlotte, or UTSA in that first round, which are all winnable opponents. So uh, to to our earlier point about how this team can finish off, I think it's really important that they finish off strong because there's a good mm-hmm. chance they can actually win that first game uh, in the conference tournament. 
Imagine if Middle Tennessee has to play Rice in the uh, they oh, get they man. get the bye, but they have to play each other. That's the first. That's their first matchup. Wow, what a game that would be! I would love that one right there. I mean, Rice is kind of up and down. Some some nights they're great. Other nights you're scratching your head, wondering if this team is actually for real. So that would be a real interesting matchup. Yeah, it would be. It would be. So um, yeah, we'll figure out what they're doing. I don't know for sure yet how they're designed. You know how they're gonna place everybody, but at least that's the way it looks right now. Uh, that's that's my first that's my first reaction that's my gut reaction. The good news is everybody makes the tournament. Yeah, that's right. And so we'll see what ends up happening as far as these matchups go. But uh, and also, you know, for the women's side of things, they have a lot to play for as well. I mean, uh, they're kind of up and down as well. They just knocked off Middle Tennessee State, which was a huge victory for them. But falling to Western Kentucky, that could have some seeding implications on their end. And uh, just like we reeled off for the men, seeding means everything for the conference tournament. No, you're right. Um, it, it certainly does. Meanwhile, uh, the trade is official. It's Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris both going to Dallas. And the uh, Nets received Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first-round pick, a 2027 second-round pick, and a 2029 second-round pick. Can you imagine that? They're getting two 29s and a 27. Oh, and by the way, we're in 2023. Uh, Just so you know, that's six years down the road before those draft picks start to really cash in. Yeah, I feel like for the Nets, they wanted a trade package that would come back to them or they could still be competitive this year. I, I mean, aside from all of this, all the drama that we're talking about with Kyrie Irving, the Brooklyn Nets were once recently a fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. They were contending to try to come out of the East as a dark horse contender with KD back full healthy and yep. at full strength. If uh, you look at this in a certain way, Kyrie Irving kind of derailed the entire season from the Brooklyn Nets. So they want to get uh, you know roster help to help them now. They don't want Kevin Durant to be the next one on his way out from the organization. And with Spencer Dinwiddie, you get a solid rotational player. Dorian Finney-Smith Jr., he's somebody who you can move uh, in a deal in the future if you'd like. But for Kyrie Irving, the asking price I don't think was as high as people thought. I'm just interested from the Brooklyn perspective, that this was the trade they preferred over sending Kyrie over to L.A. to play with LeBron or to Phoenix to play with Devin Booker uh, and and uh, the Suns? Um, well, and that's the big question. And, I, I mean, I'm a little surprised that, um, you know, Dallas went for it just because I know Mark Cuban, you know, he, he knows what he's getting and he's doing it anyway, which – Surprises me a little bit. And by the way, the Nets are now officially toast. Um, how soon until they get rid of uh, Kevin Durant? Yeah, that's a good question. Or how soon does Kevin Durant actually want out? I mean, tomorrow they're apparently supposed to go out and uh, update everybody on his status as far as his injury goes. You'd be curious to see if uh, if Kevin Durant has any kind of trade demands on his side uh, ahead of Thursday's deadline. But I- I'd also be curious to see from Kevin Durant's perspective, somebody who loves to play basketball, what his take on all this is. He wanted Kyrie Irving to join him in Brooklyn to start things off. And this team did nothing, to uh, hasn't won anything uh, as far as championships or Eastern Conference titles, whatever. They haven't won a single thing, and, and that's a real disappointment, uh, disappointing ending for this Brooklyn run. It is. And um, well, but then again, that's sports sometimes, right? Is that the best way to put it? 
I think really so. Is. Yeah, and that's that's why on the other side with the Dallas Mavericks, you do this trade. From the Luka Doncic perspective, they it didn't work out with Kristaps Porzingis. Now it didn't work out with somebody like Christian Wood. This is their, their kind of uh, desperation effort right here to try to pair Kyrie Irving, a ball-dominant guard, with Luka Doncic, a ball-dominant player in this league. It, it's so weird that these two are kind of pairing up in this sense because these two guys need the ball all mm-hmm. the time, Steve. They're, they're they're ball-dominant players. How long until they're starting to be problems there? I'd say a year. I'm giving it a year. Kyrie Irving, I, I would always bet on the uncertainty. I would always bet on the imbalance versus the balance with the team. I'll say this, though. Dallas right now is a sixth seed in the West, and this can easily take them near the top of the Western Conference. Look, they needed some kind of change at the trade deadline. They could not move forward the way that Luka's playing this year on an MVP caliber season. They could not move forward without some more help. And so whether it was Kyrie Irving or another deal down the line, they needed to make a move. And for, for Mark Cuban and for this team this was kind of their desperation effort right here and get getting Kyrie Irving and they succeeded let's see what the the pairing looks like between him and Luca bottom of the hour all right 505-6009 if you want to talk hoops and talk about what this trade means if you watched the Pro Bowl flag football game yesterday I am so fascinated to get your thoughts and comments on that 505-6009, our telephone number. Got 90 minutes with you today as we take you up till 6 o'clock here on Sports Talk and 600 ESPN El Paso. Thank you very much. Once again, folks, uh, we've got lines for you right now, 505-6009 here on the program. Chad Middleton at Middlefingerton responds on Twitter, the Mavericks will implode in a month. How about that? Mavericks will implode in a month, says Chad. You know, uh, for this year, I guess that's the beauty of this trade is maybe for four months, Kyrie Irving can stay, uh, you know, out of the controversy, out of that controversial spotlight and actually help Dallas Mavericks uh, in their quest to try to, you know, make a deep run in the postseason. Let's see what they could do this year with uh, with a full, healthy uh, roster uh, behind them, especially with Kyrie Irving. Now. And by the way, Brooklyn's a four seed before this trade. How far will they drop uh, after this deal? Maybe a play in. I mean, they really, you know, they, they're going to be more of a defensive minded team now and I don't know how many games that actually you know wins you especially in the postseason when we're talking about NBA it's not all about the regular season anymore it's about how you could do in the playoffs and I, I don't know what that roster uh, could do in, in terms of facing off against the Giants of Boston Milwaukee those kinds of teams who do we, uh, who ends up benefiting the most teams like Indiana and Toronto could they move up maybe a little bit and try to get into that play-in tournament I, I would say so I would also um, you know when I was when I'd look at the Brooklyn Nets. I think somebody like Ben Simmons could finally, uh, finally try to you know see what he could do now that he could have more of that ball dominant um, score first mentality. I could see the Bulls sneaking their way into a higher seed as the season closes in. Uh, also, the Atlanta Hawks. They're still an eighth seed right now at twenty seven, even at five hundred twenty seven twenty seven. So Atlanta has a lot to prove. I could see them moving up again. Uh, we got some good conversation going with the NBA. You want to get in and you want to talk about. Uh, Kyrie to Dallas. Love to hear from you on the program as we continue. Meanwhile, um, I watched a little Laker basketball this weekend. Uh, saw them go down in defeat to uh, New Orleans. And yet, um, LeBron's getting a little closer. He's climbing closer and closer to the new uh, to the all-time record, to Kareem's mark. And unlike the home run record, okay, I don't think anybody is going to dispute LeBron 
when he passes Kareem for the all-time scoring record in NBA history. They might not dispute it, Steve, but they might not celebrate it like it should be celebrated. Um, you know, right now, the focus around LeBron is how upset he is around this Lakers team. Uh, you know, he tweeted For not getting Kyrie. Yeah, he tweeted yesterday, quote, maybe it's me. Well, it is you, LeBron. I mean, we can appreciate what a great player he is, especially the age he is right now in the NBA. We can appreciate the greatness that he's done on the court, and, and I'm a big LeBron guy, but he built this team. He wanted uh, the Lakers to initially trade for Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. He forced Rob Palinka to trade for Russell Westbrook, which ended up being an absolute disaster. Yep. And now, you know, he's upset because the Lakers did not want to necessarily mortgage their entire future in trading for Kyrie Irving, which I don't blame the Lakers front office. And now they kind of have that stronghold over LeBron. Tomorrow, if he ends up breaking that against OKC, maybe it's not as celebrated as it could have been. Here's LeBron talking about the trade. Well, definitely disappointing. I can't sit here and say I'm not disappointed on not being able to land such a talent, but someone that I had great chemistry with and know I got great chemistry with on the floor that can help you win, um, you know, championships in my, in my mind, in my eyes. Um, but my focus is shifted now. Um, my focus is shifted back to where it should be. And that's this, that's this club now. And what we have in the locker room, that's a guys, quick pivot, LeBron. it's a quick pivot, quick pivot. It don't take me long. It don't take me long. I don't, I don't get too excited um, about the possibilities of things that can be. I, I, I kind of envision myself on what it can, but I don't, I don't invest it all the way into until I know it's happening. And, and when it does not happen, I, I'm, I'm back locked in on the job at hand. So, um, you know, we had an opportunity. I think our, our names was out there. The Lakers' name was out there. We had an opportunity. Didn't happen. We move on and we we, we uh, finish the season strong. Try to try to get a bid into the postseason where I feel um, if we go in healthy and we compete with anybody. LeBron James, uh, you know, telling Michael Wilbon earlier about the situation with wanting. Um, uh, Kyrie, they didn't get along that well the last time they were together, did they? Well, Kyrie was the one who initially want, didn't want to play with LeBron anymore in Cleveland. He's the one who demanded the trade away uh, in the offseason, and in, that was the same offseason when Kevin Durant joined the Golden State Warriors. So everybody was on, uh, you know, everybody was wondering what kind of players would LeBron marry himself to in, his, in the next phase of his career. Anthony Davis ended up being the right decision, but he hasn't found that third guy, that third banana. Nana, who will help them out as far as uh, winning a title. Meanwhile, uh, Pinky just tweeted the show regarding the Pro Bowl. He says, Pro Bowl saw three plays. That was enough. Just like watching all the previous Pro Bowl games with pads, no tackling, no pass rush, etc. No difference for him. That's the way it was. Yeah, it was disappointing to just see uh, just some of the little antics on the field. But, like, they had different games. Like, there was a one where all the offensive linemen had to move the sled. Uh, and I thought that was a creative way to just get people going in different ways. Uh, also, they gave a lot of cash out to the winners. Mm. So, I think uh, players were incentivized in these skill competitions. Cash money! That's right. That's exactly right. That usually does the job, doesn't it? That's very true. Very true. That's why they're playing helps. right now. I understand. All right. 38 past the hour as we continue here on the program. 505-6009. So the topics we've thrown out so far today. Pro Bowl. Do you like it more or less than the other games? What do you think? Uh, do we do we like 
flag football Pro Bowl more than pads and helmet Pro Bowl? That's one question we're throwing out there. Players liked it. How about the fans? Love to get your thoughts on that. Also, Kyrie to Dallas. Does this give the Mavs a legitimate shot in the summer to make a run? And as far as uh, the Nets go, how bad will it get? We're talking hoops with you on the show as well. And uh, we did open with a little UTEP uh, talk after their latest loss over the weekend in Bowling Green, Kentucky. 39 pass. The sports talk continues. Come back to wrap up our one in a moment here on 600 ESPN El Paso. UTEP's loss to Western Tennessee. We've got our wind supply of El Paso hot hand of the game and our Keats Southwest player of the game. All right, let's give out some hardware right now, Adrian. Who first gets the hot hand of the game? Steve, for the first one, hot hand award, we went with somebody in Shamar Givens, uh, who in this game poured in 12 of his 18 points in the first half. He was absolutely on fire. He went four for four from three-point range in the loss. Uh, was you know player of the game potential and caliber in this performance. Uh, however, he did have a technical foul in the first half. That one did hurt the minors, uh, but we still have to give Shamar Givens credit. He was absolutely on fire in the first half. You know, Wind Supply of El Paso offers the uh, following equipment uh, for apartment complexes, schools, and all of your commercial needs. In fact, with competitive prices, uh, with every local and national distributor. And I'll tell you what, you look at what they have, they've got everything. HVAC equipment, HVAC parts and supplies, tools and instruments, uh, Mueller Industries. They also have... Uh, ventilation products, plumbing equipment, and so, so much more. If you want to check out the line card, you can do so at windsupplyelpaso.com. That's windsupplyelpaso.com. What about our uh, player of the game award, Adrian? We went with Otis Frazier III. Really liked his performance in this one. 17 points in 30 minutes. Uh, contributed with the steal as well. Hit two from beyond the arc a lot, and also chipped in with five rebounds. Had two turnovers, but did still like his performance a lot. Otis Frazier III liking his recent stretch and his recent play in a big way. Man, oh man. Keith Southwest uh, leading the industry in precision metal stamping since 1958. In fact, they make many different custom products, including assemblies, brackets, bushings, clips, lead frames, metal stamping, shields, tooling, and even wire forming. You want to learn more about what Keats Southwest could do for you and your business? Go online to KeatsSW.com or check out their office at 11425 Rojas Drive in East El Paso, Keats Southwest. We continue here on Sports Talk, 505-6009. That is our telephone number, and uh, we'd love to hear from all of you. We'll talk a little UTEP hoops at 6 o'clock with UTEP basketball uh, with both Kevin Baker and Joe Golding. John Teicher will be live at Hudson's today for UTEP hoops, and uh, looking forward to that as well. Meanwhile, Adrian, um, we're going to be not just at Radio Row in the Super Bowl. we got golf. The Waste Management Open is going to be in Phoenix while we're there. That's right. I'm very hyped up for this one. In fact, I was telling uh, one of my best friends this week that uh, I'm, I'm going to Super Bowl Radio Row, and he was like, hey, I'm actually going to be out there for Waste Management. So, oh, cool. Uh, I, I think a lot of people make, a, make the trip out to this one, uh, f- especially from El Paso. It's an easy drive out there to Phoenix, and now you can kind of t- uh, double dip if you're out there. You can take advantage of the Waste Management golf 
golf. And then, uh, you know, there's a lot of fan events around the Super Bowl that you could also take advantage for. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Big week for golf out there in Phoenix this week. It is. And as we've uh, been telling you, it's going to be a huge week for 600 ESPN El Paso. In fact, I'm super excited about having uh, both uh, Steve Foster and Chris Fernandez on the show beginning Wednesday at noon with Laying Down the Law. They are going to go three hours Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're going to go three hours each of the days, actually two and a half on Thursday because of Utah basketball. But uh, we're talking about uh, essentially, get this, folks, 17 and a half hours of sports radio from the Super Bowl and Phoenix and Radio Row. That's, that is terrific, and I uh, can't wait to kick that off on Wednesday as we drive out tomorrow and uh, get there early afternoon, just in time for us to listen to UTEP Zay and Lane uh, host Sports Talk for us while we're uh, going to be out there. We got a little primer today via text uh, from Lane as far as maybe a guest preview. Um, I'm not going to reveal any of those, but I could just say uh, A-list guest potentially for tomorrow, Steve. A-list guest. He's working, he's working the connections, isn't he? Yes, I love it. That's good stuff right there. It is, and I'm looking forward to uh, both uh, Zay and Lane delivering that. Hey, Zay, we talked a lot about the UTEP men's team to start the show. You're at the women's game. What happened to UTEP's women's team in that uh, tough, tough loss to Western Kentucky where they blew a monster lead? Uh, I don't even know where to start, right? They, they jumped out to a 19-point lead at the end of the third. You know, the energy in the Haskins Center it was off the chart. It, it was just a good feeling for everybody in there. And they Western Kentucky opens up on, I think it was a 22-0 run in the fourth quarter before UTEP finally got on the board via some free throws. Then they make a single f- uh, field goal in the fourth quarter. Um, what I will say about this game, it was fast-paced. It was a lot of running back and forth. A lot of, you know, it looked like Western Kentucky came in and said, hey, we're going to make UTEP run with us this whole game. And it, it didn't look like it was working for three quarters. But at the end, UTEP looked gassed. The defense was just not there, and they could not get anything going offensively. So that's the best I could explain a 19-point uh, blown lead. Well, I can't remember the last time that UTEP had a 19-point lead after three quarters and didn't finish it, especially getting outscored 22 to nothing to start the fourth quarter. That's probably a school record. It probably is because it was, it was really bad. It was really bad, you know, and it, there was just no offense. They couldn't get anything to go into the basket. They couldn't even get to the lane at some points, and when they did, it, they were just throwing it up, right? They, they were hoping to get fouled, and it didn't, it didn't work out. It was just a rough fourth quarter for that team. Well, and they're going to have to rebound from that. And the biggest shame, I think, is they had all the momentum in the world after beating Middle Tennessee on Thursday. And you hope they would just ride that into that win over Western Kentucky. So this will be a pretty good test to see how this team will bounce back and uh, try to handle themselves after uh, losing a game that they absolutely should have won. Yeah, this this hurts, right? Because West Kentucky, West Kentucky is second place in the conference standings. UTEP was right behind them, right? They could have really caught up to them, be only a game behind. It would have kind of separated them from Rice, who does have that tiebreaker over them. So just all in all, it was it was a really it's not the time to blow a nineteen point lead. Tough weekend for UTEP, Adrian. Oh, man. It really was, Steve. This is a a tough weekend for a lot of minor fans. I think, um, you know, when it comes to UTEP hoops right now, UTEP local fans have so much passion and hope for the hoops here, and everybody was riding the wave when UTEP knocked off number 21 Middle Tennessee on Thursday, and quickly all that momentum just faded out the window. Line ringing in, 505-6009. If we can duck you in before the end of the hour, we will. 
depending on uh, how we do time-wise, we'll see. But hopefully we can get uh, get you uh, on the show here in the next minute or so before we wrap up Hour 1 of the program. Uh, but in the meantime, we are going to be taking more phone calls and tweets up to the 6 o'clock hour, and John Teicher will join us uh, as well. Um, let me, all right, this will be fun. Let me say hello to Daniel, who's going to wrap up hour number one. Daniel, thoughts on the Lakers? Hey, what the Lakers need to do is trade LeBron and Anthony to Orlando and let Orlando have whatever they want, and the Lakers have got cap space and breathing room and can rebuild. Why Orlando of all the teams? Why, uh, why did you pick Orlando? Did you throw darts and you just landed on the Orlando Magic? No, because Orlando's the worst team. They could instantly get better. They probably got tons of draft picks. Yep. So just punish LeBron as he gets ready to break the all-time record, and and uh, you know send him off to uh, to the worst team that you could find in the NBA. Well, what I want to talk about is that I'm tired of LeBron crying in all his controversy because the Lakers over the years have had some controversial calls. That went their way. That's true. If you remember when Sacramento played the Lakers in the playoffs in Game 7, it was Robert Orient hit a miracle shot at the buzzer at the end of the game. That was Game 7. Yep. I still say that shot wasn't good. The clock, the clock went off before it left. Well, you know what? All I can tell you is this. LeBron delivered a championship to the Lakers like three years ago. People forget that, but they did win the NBA championship. Wasn't it the COVID year when they won it all? That's right. Yeah, the bubble year. Very difficult yeah. year. Very I mean, difficult year. So, I mean, you know, and the truth is, hey, he's delivered a championship, right? And, uh, and now you're ready, to, you're ready to get rid of him. Hey, but he, he's constantly crying. Const, he's got constant controversy. And he's aggravating people. All right. Well, that's one way to do it. We can we can trade them. All right. Listen, if you're the GM of the Lakers for one day, I know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to break up the band, that's for sure. Daniel, thanks for the call. Appreciate you getting in. Uh, we got one hour to go. Come back with us, folks. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. A little ghost money from our friends at X-1 leading us off for hour two of the program. Along with UTEP Zay, Adrian Broadus, Steve Kaplowitz here with you. 505-6009, that is our telephone number. We'd love to get the calls rolling. Tomorrow, Zay will be with Lane Frank. They will deliver sports talk for us while we are out at uh, Radio Row. Heading to um, Phoenix. Looking forward to that. By the way, I gotta I gotta get props. Rodney Terry, look at you beating K State on the road. That is that got my attention, Adrian. Uh big time. I didn't expect that. 
All right. Uh, that was not something that I thought would uh, would be possible. And sure enough, it was. They've got a date with Kansas tonight in about an, uh, two hours at Allen Fieldhouse. And if they could somehow sweep this trip and beat the Jayhawks, they're the fifth-ranked team in the country right now. That'll probably put them in the top three. I agree with you, Steve. What a win it was over Jerome Tang uh, and Kansas State, which, by the way, Wildcats have been playing outstanding basketball as of late. And this was on the road. So the Longhorns, uh, they trailed early, loved what they did early on in the second half. And it's just a testament to the Longhorns' depth because the starters weren't necessarily getting it done early on. It was the backups like Christian Bishop and somebody a lot of people in this area know, Sir Jabari Rice. He had 14 points to lead. Uh, this this Texas team in that win over the weekend, and that was really impressive. Meanwhile, Jabari's having a really nice season. He's, yeah, he's second. He is second on the team, eleven a game. Uh, he's ahead of Timmy Allen and Tyrese Hunter, and it seems like he's always making big play after big play. Yeah, he's also automatic at the free throw line, shooting about 88% from uh, with the charity stripe. He kills it from beyond the arc. He's almost a 37% three-point scorer. Uh, and, you know, when I when I look at him and what he's able to do, just somebody who can score in all three phases of the basketball uh, from outside, he could hit those mid-range shots or he could finish down low. No, you're right. Uh, 46% from the field, 35% from downtown, 85 from the line. Man. When Jabari Rice was being recruited, coming out of NMSU this summer, and and chose Texas, all I thought was, eh, you know, he's gonna have a tough time breaking in, but maybe he'll get a little playing time. He's been one of the leaders on this team, right behind Marcus Carr. Yeah, he has so much versatility as well. I mean, he pours in fourteen points, but he also grabs. 10 rebounds, so he puts up that double-double. Oh, and meanwhile, only does it with one turnover in just 18 minutes of action. So a very efficient player. Again, he does not start with them, but he comes off the bench and just always gives them a huge spark. Yeah, he does, and uh, they've been fun. I mean, and and i got to give Rodney a ton of credit. I didn't expect it. I did not expect it. And he's been really, really good. Fifth in the AP, sixth in the coaches poll right now. Uh, Behind Purdue, Houston, Alabama, and Arizona. That's your top five. By the way, Purdue being number one. When was the last time Purdue was number one in the country? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, this is a a great program that Painter has built out there with Purdue. Uh, And I I like Zach Eady a lot. They've got some uh, really good players. They had some uh, really solid players last year. I mean, led by somebody like Ivy, who is now an NBA uh, uh, rookie that that everybody's watching right now. But I I look at what Rodney Terry has done, and I find it real fascinating that a lot of national columnists, Steve, a lot of national writers, uh, particularly John Rothstein of CBS Sports, they they're naming Rodney Terry as a candidate for coach of the year across college basketball. Well, let's put it this way, okay? As loaded as his team is, and yeah, they're loaded, being able to coach them as well as he has in the absence of Chris Beard, given the circumstances, I think it should be in the coach of the year conversation right now, don't you? 
I do. I feel like uh, it's one thing to keep the ship afloat. It's one thing to make this team a contender in the Big 12, and it's another thing to actually do it. They are atop the Big 12. They are one of the teams to beat out of the best league in, in all of college basketball. And uh, at, after all of that, you just have to tip your hat off. He's kept this team intact. No one is uh, – the locker room is all, all the way intact, and he's got a great staff to go along with uh, such a great, uh, talented roster with the Texas Longhorns group he does and they've been I, I mean they, they've been a team that right now has I'll be honest with you exceeded my expectations when they were when they were drilled by Kansas State and he gave up like a hundred and what they give up like 116 points in a game yeah they were killed and then just uh you know a couple weeks later they end up losing badly against Tennessee and then they rebound and look what they did to K-State this time around on the road they flipped the state you know they flipped the script and they played defense and the defense helped win them that game. So that was big time. That was big time. Yeah, the big question is, can they do it again against another big-time team? Kansas is another group uh, who no one takes lightly. They're coming off a loss to Iowa State this past weekend, so you know the Jayhawks want to get right at their home. We hardly see the Jayhawks lose more than two games back-to-back, so uh, this is going to be a a tough task for Rodney Terry and this Longhorns group. It is, but you know what? They can still, I mean... I didn't think they were going to get this far, and they have. So you can't count this team out. You just can't. And too much talent. And and the coaching staff is really good. And Rodney's done a nice job with this team. He really, really has. Yeah, I'm looking at this schedule uh, for the Longhorns that's left on their radar. I can't believe that they still have to play Kansas twice, Steve. That's a that's really interesting right there, not to mention the fact that they still have West Virginia, another game against Iowa State, another matchup against Baylor and TCU still on their radar. 505-6009, our telephone number. But I didn't think they were beating K-State, and they did. And if they go to beat and Kansas and they keep having that kind of confidence in this league, that's, that's you know, they, they got a chance to be a one seed. Yeah, they really do, Steve. I'm, I'm laughing just because I didn't think this was possible. As soon as Chris Beard was fired away from the program amid all the accusations around him and the domestic violence dispute, I didn't think that they would rebound like this. I thought, to, to be honest with you, that Texas was going to suffer, that they would hit a lull in their season, but we haven't seen that at all. This team is, despite losses like we've been talking about to teams like Tennessee, Iowa State, Kansas State, they remain intact. They've, they haven't had more than a uh, two losses in a row uh, uh, throughout this whole season. Zay, give me your thoughts on uh, the Texas basketball season with Rodney taking over for Chris Beard and what you've seen. Yeah, I agree. I think there was. I thought immediately after everything that happened with Chris Beard, I thought, hey, it was just all going to fall apart. Yep. It was going to be a, a tough experiment. It was going to be a wasted season, but I, I was still waiting, and it just hasn't happened, right? I think after every loss, you kind of every Texas fan holds their breath. They're like. Is this it? Is it, is it going to fall apart? But it hasn't. They've, they've rebounded and they've done everything. They're a really fun team to watch. Crystal Conti loves Rodney Terry. Loves him. And you want to know something? He's the AD. And if he sees enough from this team but during the regular season and they make a, and they make a nice showing, I don't believe they have to go to the Final Four. I just don't. I think that if they make a good showing in the NCAA tournament, and even if they lose, they're, they're right there toward the end. They don't get waxed. On the and they get to the Sweet Sixteen, I'm gonna tell you something. I think Rodney Terry is gonna be the is gonna be the head coach for the foreseeable future. I just I don't think they're they're shaking it up. I really don't. 
all year long we've seen consistency out of this team. As long as they're able to maintain that consistency, win uh, considerably in, in the Big 12, you're right. It doesn't matter what happens in the NCAA tournament. The way that they've handled things, despite all the adversity they faced internally as a program, is a testament to their assistant coach in Rodney Terry, who stepped up in a, in a very positive way as an interim coach. And if it's not Texas, it's definitely going to be somebody else at the Power 5 level who will be uh, taking a chance with Rodney Terry. And I'll tell you this, too. He's got he's got a very talented group of assistants because that's something that Beard built. He's got a bunch of ex-college head coaches as his assistants right now. And we know Rodney can recruit. And you give Rodney NIL dollars, now he really can recruit. So you you've got the coaching staff. Rodney, as the face of the program, can deliver talent. I, I just... I'm telling you, I, I don't think that I don't think Texas is going to want to make a change. I think that they might feel like with everything considered in the NIL era of college basketball, they might have the perfect mix right now in Austin. Yeah, if, if uh, you know, in the era of college basketball where everything is constantly changing, where your roster is turned over every single year, it's always good to have some kind of continuity, and I think it starts at the head coaching spot. Like, Rodney Terry has recruited a lot of the incoming class for Texas. I'm talking about their next roster or next year's team, and that's a, that's a good sign for Texas fans. They want to see their interim coach take a positive role in the recruiting process as this uh, you know season develops, and none of those guys have said, "Hey, I'm decommitting. I'm opening up my recruitment." They're all pretty much committed to playing with Texas moving forward. Don Guapo with the greatest tweet ever: Rodney Terry is trash, bro. Come on, I mean, really, come on. All that talent, you better win. Kansas smokes them. From Don Guapo on Ooh, Twitter, calling his shot right there, Steve. I think He's doing that. I think it was Mr. E in, in, <laughs> with, a, with a burner account. I really do. Um, when I watched Rodney Terry coach at UTEP and leave a job with three years left to become an assistant at, at Texas, I knew he couldn't win here. But then he goes there, and it's like they've got so much talent, which they've, of course, spent so much NIL money on. And then he's got a group of assistants that are not yes-men. They are former college coaches who are all good minds in their own right. I mean, if you've given Rodney Terry the perfect situation, then maybe Rodney Terry takes the ball and runs with it. You know, you would have liked to have said he had the perfect situation at UTEP, but once Lamont Smith was gone, and then all of a sudden he retold his assistant coaching staff, and it just wasn't um, what it was when he arrived. It just it never clicked, Adrian. It never clicked. And I kind of feel like... Rodney's in a situation at UT where he just has so much more around him from players and coaching that it's it's just designed, it's set up for him to win. I, I, it's kind of the same situation that we talked about last week between Chris Jans and Jerome Tang when they took jobs at the Power 5 level. Of course those coaches are surrounded with more talent and resources. That's why the path to winning is much clearer at that level than it is at the mid-major level. The mid-majors have to struggle with budgets, you know, what they're dealing with, NIL dollars. Those Power 5 schools pretty much have an open checkbook when it comes to these players. They can do whatever they want in recruiting some of these guys. And I'll say this too, and people are going to think I'm nuts, okay? Yeah, you're going to think I'm crazy. You probably already think I'm crazy. This will just make you think I'm even like certifiably, certifiably insane. If Joe Golding was running this team right now at Texas, I think they'd be a Final Four team. 
Wouldn't mm. even be questioned. Mm. Wouldn't even be questioned. Gets a lot out of his players, I'll say that. Tons. And when you give him this talent, this group to work with, oh, my God. It'd be unbelievable. Somebody did last year with the UTEP team without Bryson Williams. You give him that group in Austin, please. It's, it wouldn't even be a conversation. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about Joe Golding with a sub-500 UTEP team. And how is he going to fix that? All right. 16 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Let's go to Charlie with traffic. John Teicher will join us a little bit later from Hudson's. We'll come back and continue with this conversation. 600 ESPN El Paso. In 505-6009, little journey for you. Back when journey was still Steve Perry. A little different than it is now. Seems like the whole band hates each other. They can't get along. Then they reunite, and then they have problems. And But Perry hasn't been with them in forever. But, uh, yes, uh, some good tunes back in those days. A lot of fun as we continue here on the show and uh, get ready to get back to more of your phone calls here at 505-6009. Let me go uh, as we've been talking about Rodney Terry and what he's been doing out at, uh, at uh, Texas to Ruben, who joins us next on the phone lines. Hey, Ruben, what's going on? Not much. Just had to jump in on this conversation. Please. So, um, so I get what you guys are saying about the talent level that Rodney has down there, and they can probably pretty much coach themselves, like I'm kind of thinking. Right? So let's just kind of take that for granted. But I found it interesting a couple of weeks ago maybe now that on one of the games that, they were, that I was watching on uh, ESPN, one of the broadcasters brought up, the very subject that you guys are talking about right now. But what I thought was interesting was that he brought up the little episode that he went through health-wise at UTEP, and if that was a situation that Texas needed to concern itself with. What do you say to that? Hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's possible. It is definitely possible. Although... I kind of feel like at this point, I don't know. Um, we haven't had any issues since, but there was a period of time where you were very concerned about that man's health for sure. You didn't know if he was going to live or die. Correct. Correct. And I mean, with the bigger the platform, obviously, mm-hmm. the more pressure there is on coaches. Um, True. And I'm just kind of wondering how much that pressure is going to add to that situation if it still exists. Now, maybe that pressure isn't as big as an assistant coach, and maybe that's why, I guess, when everything came up, you know, you compare apples to apples, Mm -hmm. he said, you know what, all that pressure is not on me. I can go down there and just help recruit and uh, just go on about that but not worry about the everyday pressures of having to run a major D1 program like yep, that. Yep, You know? So I'm just kind of wondering. And then I'm going to throw this out to you. You brought up Coach Golding, and I know that he's only been here for two years, okay? What if his name comes up in the Texas job? Because you know how there was that little triangle that happened to bring Coach Golding here. What would happen what do you think would happen if Coach Golding's name came up as a possible replacement for the Texas job? 
So I'll be quiet. I'll listen to you on the radio, and I'll see you at the meeting. Uh, Ruben, I'm virtual today, okay? I'm virtual. Okay, so, bro. But I will okay, talk to you a little bit. All Thank good. you. All right. Okay, man. Thanks, okay, man. Okay, bye-bye. So if this was last year and Joe Golding was winning 20 games in his first year at UTEP and, and having a really nice year after what happened at um, Abilene Christian, then I could see it. But I understand the what-if game. But there is no way, I'm just telling you now, Ruben, despite the connections, there is no way that Texas will be looking at a coach who could possibly be sub-500 this year and give them a serious look for the uh, Texas job. I don't see that. Adrian, if Joe Golding had taken UTEP to the NCAA tournament, then I think it's a totally different conversation we're having. But not the way this year is going. I just, you know, if they're going to get rid of Rodney, they're going to want somebody that they can make a huge splash with. Biggest names in coaching. Like an Eric Musselman. That's the kind of name we're talking about. Not uh, not Joe, at least because of what's happened here in the last two years. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking more of a name like a John Calipari uh, for Texas, and like you said, maybe like an Eric Musselman uh, as far as their candidate goes, because if it's not Rodney Terry, they're shooting for the stars. They're prying away at a current head coach at his current job right now to be in Austin and run the Longhorns. That would, that would be, in my opinion, what they would do on the other side. But, you know, it's interesting bringing up the coaching ideas for, uh, for Joe Golding. Um, I, first off, real quick, Steve, I I don't think, uh, like Ruben was asking, uh, that's warranted whatsoever as far as the Rodney Terry health uh, concern because as far as what we know right now, he's been healthy and uh, everything is okay uh, from everything that he's made public and everything that he dealt with, he did not make public. So we don't know the extent of that uh, illness or what ended up happening at that point when he left UTEP abruptly back uh, in that January period. I will say this, though, as far as Joe Golding, last year, remember the summer after the 21 season he was targeted by SMU for their head coaching vacancy and it wasn't like he was going to leave but they, yeah. they still they showed a lot of interest in Joe Goldie they did they did and uh, you know but we also know how difficult it is winning at UTEP we know it is not easy to win at UTEP nobody has won and gone to the tournament in 13 years so yes we understand how difficult that is in fact in 31 years, let this sink in for a second, minor fans. In 31 years, UTEP has been to the NCAA tournament a total of three times. In 31 years. And when I was growing up, seven straight in the NCAA tournament. Okay? So from 83 to 90, those years... We're all NCAA uh, tournament trips, starting with the 83-84 season. 83-84 to 89-90, seven straight years. So, you know, that's, that's the difference between UTEP now and, and UTEP uh, 35, 40 years ago. Yeah, I think I was um, an eighth grader, maybe seventh grader, when I was watching Butler UTEP in class uh, 
um, you know, the last time UTEP made an NCAA tournament as a 12th seed. And and that's disappointing, right? Because you're supposed with this historic basketball program, fans hope that this team will be in contention for the NCAA tournament, you know, once every three years at minimum. And, and nowadays, unfortunately for UTEP, those hopes are gone. I, I mean, just making it far in the Conference USA tournament is enough for some people. And, uh, you know, for others, they hold this UTEP program to a high standard. That's why they're not on board with how things have gone recently. They want a winner, and they, that's the only thing that they'll support no matter what. 29 past the hour as we continue here on the program. All right. Um, who's on one right now, guys? Um, there we go. We got Dan. Let's go to Dan. He joins us. Then we'll get to Sports Center here at the bottom of the hour. What's up, Dan? How are you? I am well, Steve, and yourself? Doing fine. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, listen, uh, on that previous caller about the health issue, yes. you remember it was January. That was the COVID year. Really, in my heart, I believe that Rodney Terry had COVID without even us knowing what COVID was at that time. Because remember, he couldn't breathe, chest hurt. That's true. Uh, I knew an individual that, that had it, and they couldn't find anything. They tested it, and then finally, uh, after it became... Well, wrong word, but popular. Then said you might have had COVID, and I think the the thing. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I wasn't there, of course, but I think that Rodney Terry probably had COVID. You know, you never know. It's an, it that's an interesting You're, theory. I mean, it's it's possible because it's it possible. was really kind of taboo in those days, and everybody was kind of keeping things very quiet and not wanting to make a big deal about it. So who knows? I mean, it's it's definitely a possibility. But on that thing about. Uh, about him winning at Texas and everything, you know what? And I'll go ahead and say this. When you have talent, you're a great coach, mm-hmm. and he has talent. Loads now, of it. That's, that's, you know, that's, if, you, if anybody out there has coached the game or, or a team somewhere, you will know that when you have talent, you're going to win. You can roll the ball out there. Of course, you know, you've got to keep them together. But he was a great recruiter. I mean, so he, I mean, I'm sure that some of these guys that are are on the team he brought in and everything. I just personally, I didn't think the man could coach, and and that was because if you heard the Fresno State and the Utah press conference, I mean, they they were they were a copy. The only thing that you could change was Bulldogs for minors. Uh, now, should he deserve the job? You know, with the money and everything, it's hard. It would be hard. Or Texas to to explain. Let's get rid of Terry unless you're going to bring some big name uh, head coach somewhere. And I don't think no head coach would would leave a good program with decent money unless Texas throws you know crazy. Yeah, they throw money Texas at dollars at you. That's right. Which yeah. They might. You but, never know. They could throw Texas know. dollars. But but you but you know what? To me personally, uh, that that team you could get. You could get an assistant from somewhere, and if that team stays together, you could have been coached. So everybody's saying how great he is. Me personally, I never thought he was that great of a coach, but that's just me. And not 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 wishing him bad because you know co- coaching profession is very very hard, and I'm hope he enjoys it and everything. But to give him props and the reason that Texas is ranked so high, no, it's the talent. But yet on the other hand, he brought in the talent. I mean, he recruited. He's a good recruiter, good person. But on the heat of the moment, the XSNO, I think the man lacks. But thanks, Steve. I'll talk to you later. All right. Appreciate you, Dan. 
Well, that was our thoughts a, a lot in terms of just what we saw here at UTEP. But he does have an incredible situation right now, Adrian. Almost one that, uh, I don't want to say it's coach-proof, but it's pretty close. You know, the I, I don't know as far as all these conspiracy theories. I just want to address that real quick. But I will say, uh, as far as his time at UTEP, we understood and we we learned it pretty quickly. Ronnie Terry was a great recruiter. And at Texas, he recruited all these guys that are currently on their roster. So for that, you give him credit. For that, you give him props. And, uh, you know, to call him not necessarily a good coach, well, right now he's coaching the fifth best team in the country. So I, I would, I would uh, disagree with that argument right there. 33 past as we uh, continue. You want to tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso, as we roll through. Uh, let's get to Sports Center, and then we'll come right back with more in a moment. It's uh, Sports Talk, and we've got about a half an hour left with you on this Monday. Good stuff, Zay. Let's go over to some NFL news from today. Quarterback Tom Brady, who announced his retirement back on February 1st, said today that he won't begin his work at as a sports broadcaster at Fox Sports until the fall of 2024. Tom Brady said in his broadcasting career and what he plans to do before starting it, he said, quote, today, I want to be great at what I do, and that always takes time, strategizing, learning, growing, and evolving, end quote. Let's go to more news today. This also NFL-related as Arizona Cardinals wide receiver A.J. Green has announced his retirement today. Green, who's 34 years old, played 11 seasons in the NFL after being selected by the Bengals with the fourth overall pick back in the 2011 draft. Draft. The receiver played his first nine seasons for the Bengals, and he began his career with five straight 1,000-yard receiving seasons. A.J. Green had only two seasons with more than 900 yards in receiving after that stretch. Let's head over to more news today. Running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is eligible to play in Super Bowl 57 after the Chiefs activated him from their injured list today. In a corresponding move, the Chiefs played wide receiver Mecole Hardman on injured reserve with what the team is calling a pelvic injury and he will not play in Sunday's game against the Eagles. Edwards Hilaire has not played a game since a week 11 game against the Chargers because of a high ankle sprain. He finished third on the team in rushing with 302 rushing yards and three touchdowns and he also caught 17 passes for 151 yards along with three touchdowns. That's a look at your Sports Center update for 600 ESPN El Paso. I'm Adrian Broaddus. Alright, thank you very much Adrian as we keep it moving right now, 35 past the hour. Looking at uh, Don Guapo's latest uh, tweet, you're totally right. Any coach that comes here will struggle. Sad thing is kids don't want to play here. Look at Boom now at Xavier tearing it up. Imagine if we had Boom still. So, yeah, you're not crazy. Golding is a way better coach than Terry handed a perfect situation. Um, I really believe that the reason Boom left was the NIL dollars. I mean, teams were coming at him with good money. And UTEP didn't have the NIL in place at that point. They couldn't just tell Sule, we'll build you a team to go around you and, you know, we'll give you an extra, you know, 30, 40, 50 grand to stay here and, and play for us. And now they can go out and buy players. Again, the fact that I'm talking about this, like buy players is, to me, it's so ridiculous and so wrong, but that's the new reality of, of college basketball and college sports. With NIL, you can, you can buy talent. But Adrian, they just didn't have it yet. They they did not have enough money to keep a Sule boom around a year ago. Because I do know Sule liked Joe. I do know Sule liked it here. But I also know that 
You know, Sule was looking at playing professional. He thought that moving to a better conference would be better for him. And the NIL dollars was icing on the cake. Yeah, you looked at the Bryson Williams situation when he left UTEP for Texas Tech and how he played for a team that played, uh, you know, such quality minutes down the stretch in March and uh, a team that actually contended for an NCAA title when it was all said and done. I mean, they made a run in the NCAA tournament last year. And what more could you ask for if you're Bryson Williams? Just moving over to a, uh, a program like UTEP to the, one of the biggest stages of all of college basketball. And that's what Sule Boom is at right now as well. He's at uh, one of the biggest stages in college basketball best mid-major conference in the Big East uh, bar none and he's playing for a team right now that is 19 and 5 overall do I think NIL could have had uh, an influence to keep him here at UTEP maybe but at the same time uh, playing for a team that's going to go to uh, play in March Madness no matter what that's an enticing offer right there uh, that Sule Boom uh, took from Xavier extremely enticing and it's hard to say no to it it really is uh more tweets coming in el paso visuals unfortunately with nil utep and schools alike will not be able to compete with schools and boosters giving money to players someday soon instead of boosters alumni fans businesses investing on paying coaches dollars will have to be for players because any decent coach like terry can win with talent um Baba Bowie, riding Dan's coattails. Great coaches have talented players. With NIL, wouldn't there be Texas money to coach and players? More tweets. Neff Poppy. Hey, Caplo and the real AB. Coach Joe G started this year with how many returners from last year? I can be patient for another year. Go Miners. A lot to unpack there, Adrian. NIL and, and Neff Poppy. Yeah, I would also say to Neff Poppy's point, it's three players returning from last year. Uh, you're talking about guys like Kevin Kalu, uh, Zarek Onyema, and Jamari Sibley. And, uh, you know, Onyema's the only one of the three who plays significant minutes for the minors, uh, year, I mean, game in, game out. And Sibley and Kalu, they're trying to fight for minutes right now at this point. They are. And it's not easy. It's not an easy fight at all. 38 passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. You can call in 505-6009, tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso to be part of uh, everything that uh, we're talking about here on the show today. Uh, Meanwhile, before we go to break, Brian Birds did it again, folks. That unrivaled marketing strategy got it done. Another great success story, this time from Gina and her mother. They had to sell that home in central El Paso and knew they could trust Brian and his team with the task. So here comes the expert advice. The home was listed at 220000 but then Brian's unrivaled marketing went to work. The home was sold within a week, 19000 over the list price, and the closing was timed perfectly so Gina and her mom could start the new chapter in a year. Now, if you're worried about leaving money on the table, if you sell your home, don't worry. Brian Birds or the Brian Birds home selling team, powered by EXP Realty, has you covered. In fact, he's the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos. He's also the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. Here's why. You trust the man. Trust his team. They just deliver results. 751-1500 for Brian. Online, brianbirds.com. Have you 